0: Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm the intern for biblical counseling. This is the fifth episode in our series on sexuality and sexual temptation. Today, Reverend Squires and I continue our discussion on how Scripture speaks to the fruits of a wrong view of sex, and particularly we pick up our conversation from last time as we turn our attention to how these fruits work themselves out in and among the community of God's people. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find all of our contact info on our website at firstprezcolumbia.org. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. So what does what does Scripture begin to paint a picture for us? How does it address our wrong views of sex as a covenant community of people? And could you define what you mean when you say covenant community, Josh?
1: Yeah, by covenant community, I mean the community of believers who are God's people. And in the Old Testament, that's going to be Israel, and then later Israel and Judah, and then, of course, lastly, Judah. Now it is the New Testament church, all of those who would say that they have faith in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. So that's the covenant community. Yes. So if we look at the Old Testament and we look at the covenant community, when she is not being faithful to worship the Lord rightly, what is the number one analogy? that Scripture uses, that God uses for prophets to proclaim in order to convict the people that they're not being faithful.
0: He's calling them a harlot in the words of Mark McDowell, who used to be a pastor. Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) Or harlotry, as he would probably say. Yes, exactly. Uh, They are being called people who engage willfully for sale for sexual fulfillment mm. right and so he'll talk a number of times about going and you know ex- excuse the the verb here but it, it is scripture so going and whoring under every green tree and of, uh, on every high hill mm. and that's jeremiah you can find it in jeremiah 3 you can find it in a number of places but jeremiah 3 is probably one of the most explicit places where you can find it and mm. the idea was that You could go and have sex with a cult prostitute, and you would have sex with a cult prostitute usually under a fertile tree, so that's why the green tree, or on a high hill, which made it closer to heaven. Those were the two areas where you would have sex with a cult prostitute Mm. because the reason that you were having sex with a cult prostitute was for fertility, the fertility Mm. of the land, right? Imagine being a farmer and telling your wife, like, I'm sorry, I've got to go have sex with this prostitute. (laughs) Honey, the crops. Because (laughs) Because we need the crops. The crops (laughs) require me. Right? Yes. This is unbelievable. But
0: That's why Baal, Baal or Baal, however you say it, yeah. had so much appeal to the Israelites because he was the fertility god of crops.
1: Right. And, and in an agricultural society where mm-hmm. that was primarily how you kept people alive and that was your export, in a place where weather was really important and making sure that there was rains and stuff that was completely outside of your control. People always want to try and control things. Mm-hmm. And this was some weird way in which they thought they could control. And oddly, it was pluralistic. They thought they could worship God, Yahweh, Mm. and worship the Ashra or the Baal and have sex with these cult prostitutes Mm. and somehow cajole them. And if they were doing all of it, then that was the best. It was like placing bets on all the roulette wheel spaces. (laughs) All your bases are covered. All your bases are covered. That's exactly right. And so God again and again uses this imagery of being unfaithful to him. And the Mm -hmm. thing that is the biggest analogy, the biggest metaphor of what it is to be unfaithful to God himself is to be an unfaithful spouse, to be engaged in adultery. Mm -hmm. So adultery and sex and sexuality – and the negative of sex and sexuality, that is, when I am trying to do it for my own reasons rather than bringing in a theology of what sex and sex is about, it undermines at a very basic level what it means to believe in God, how he has designed us, his design for our life and for all of our needs, and expresses an unbelief in our heart. It is is a true expression of the unbelief that we have in our heart. Mm.
0: Such hard words to hear, in one sense, right, right, because they're so so weighty. But that's the that's the reality of it is that it's it's adultery and it's contrary to how God has has designed us because it's honestly something that's rooted in His covenant commitment to His people, right. And when when you there's a there's a song by a art a rap artist, reformed rap artist named Shylin. Yep. Uh, called The Jealous One, and it's on his album, The Attributes of God. Yep. And I was actually looking this up the other day, but he says we we forget the fact, essentially, that God is this jealous God. Hold on, let me find it real quick. I didn't know I'd be referencing Shylin on 1A with Squires today. But, there you go.
1: But just shows everybody how cool you are, that you can reference Shylin. I'm cool, look at me.
0: <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Here's the quote. It says, The God of the Bible who invites our trust must be understood to be nothing like us. Most of the time human jealousy will hurt you, but when it comes to God, his jealousy is a virtue. Thunders his law and protects his glory. He gave us the gift of the one of his awesome perfections, surely, thunders his law and protects his glory. He gave us the gift of the marriage relationship to acquaint us with a faint taste of this. A wife for a husband, a husband for a wife, the only time jealousy is right in this life. But just as the distance is great between earth and stars, God's thoughts are much higher than ours. So his jealousy is on a whole other level, unintelligible to the soul of a rebel. But in sacred scripture, God paints the picture. To shake your frame, it straight convicts you, and that's what it should do. His jealousy is frightful, yet it's delightful and good too. I couldn't think of a much worse if I tried than a dude who smirks if you flirt with his bride. Mm. So that's the role. Of, like, it's, it's, this, it's based out of this reality that God is the jealous one. He's, yeah. he's jealous over his people, but the reality is, is he's made us to glorify himself. Right. And when we live chained to the, these idols of our heart in this way, the idea is that we are we're actually giving glory to another and it, it, it is something that's offensive to him.
1: Right, right. So really the the progression is, you know, David, believer, he falls to temptation because he believes, at least momentarily, this lie that he's got to get this need fulfilled. And then there's this individual in, in Corinth who seems to be unrepentant, uh, not like David who is repentant, and yes. therefore you have to push them out and say, you know, you're no longer one of us. And then here's the covenant community, and the hallmark that she's going the wrong way is her adultery, right? And adultery Mm -hmm. is the analogy of all of her sinfulness, everything that she's doing to be unfaithful to the faithful groom that is God, Mm -hmm. right? And then ultimately, and this is where our last scripture comes in, Romans 1, especially verses 24 through 27, which says, what is indicative of the pagan, What is indicative of the person that's not in the covenant community? What is indicative of the person who's exchanged truth for a lie? Mm -hmm. It's sexual immorality. Mm. Sexual immorality is the thing Mm. that demarcates somebody who is not one of us, Mm -hmm. who is not in the family. Now, again, does that mean that any Christian who ever engages in sexual immorality can't ever be redeemed or isn't a part of the covenant community? No, that's not what it means. But it means when Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, had to say, what is it that when you're given over to a lie, when you're not one of God's people, what is it that's the expression of who you are? It's lust.
0: Mm-hmm. The expression of who you are, what is it that defines you, is lust.
1: Is lust. It's sexual immorality and lust, right? Mm. And so a a similar progression where you have the individual, a repentant individual, who engages in sexual immorality by listening to the devil, but is repentant. There's still terrible fruit because of that, and it's a sign of somebody who has allowed the uh, whispers of Satan and his own heart to get to him. Mm. Then you've got the person that you kick out and say, you're just not one of us, Here's the church beginning to waffle about her identity. What is it, adultery? Now, what is the hallmark of people who aren't us and will never be us? Mm. And it's lust. Another
0: way of saying that, this is what I was thinking about. Um, John Piper says it's the disordered desires, and that disordered desire
1: most chiefly looks like lust. Right. That's scary. Uh, I think it's Tim Keller who says that when a guy comes to him and says, I'm having trouble I think maybe I no longer think the Bible is inerrant, or I no longer think the Bible is the Word of God. His number one question response is, how long have you been sleeping with your girlfriend?
0: Amen. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right?
1: Because sex is the door through which that comes in. Mm. And you really only have two options here. You can either believe that God's Word is normative, mm. and therefore you're living in defiance of it, Mm. Which means that either you don't really think that it matters, you think it's fiction, you think something, or you think it, it, it doesn't matter personally, God's going to love me anyways, which he can, but you, you can't take advantage of grace, you can't choose to use grace in order to enable sin, mm. or you've got to decide, I don't believe in God's word as being normative for my life Mm. right but that's it puts you right there on the horns of that particular dilemma what do you genuinely believe about god and his word as Mm. it relates to your sex and sexuality your sexuality is to be shepherded Mm. is to be shepherded for each other and when you do it well conversely where on the one side it shows something of the world and it is what is true of those who are not like us when it's shepherded well It is a light that shines very brightly in a world that wants you to do nothing but fulfill your sexual appetite.
0: Mm. Oh, man. (laughs) This is so heavy. Right. Okay.
1: (laughs) Let's one more, and this is super quick. Sure. Sure. So Josh, tell yeah. me,
0: we have talked. We've built this framework for how Scripture addresses the fruits of a negative view of our sexuality on an individual, a church community, and then a, the covenant community of God's people, and then as the defining mark of non-believers. Yeah. Yep. So tell me, Josh, what, what hope do we have to minister in this moment about the gospel balm?
1: Right, exactly. And, and so I, it's easy to hear what Scripture has to say about sex and sexuality and to be overwhelmed, depressed, especially if you are someone who has committed some sexual sin, either before you got married or or maybe even in your own marriage that you have allowed your lust to own you at times. And so you hear this and you think that's it. I'm I'm gone. I'm I'm like that Corinthian man that is is supposed to be on the outside of the covenant community. I am like the first uh Romans 1 people that have been given over to their lust and their sexual immorality. And so what I want to say is it is unrepentant. We've said this a number of times. It is unrepentant sin that Mm. is the hallmark of that. Mm. And so what I would point you to is Matthew 1, especially verses 3 and 5.
0: The genealogy of Jesus, The genealogy
1: of Jesus. In the Mm. genealogy of Jesus, you're going to find two women. Right. You're going to find in verse three a woman named Tamar Mm. and Tamar, in order to get pregnant, had to dress up as a prostitute, a cult prostitute. So that so that she could get her father in law to have sex with her.
0: You want to talk about some messed up family dynamics. Yes. They, as I, that brings up Gabe's <laughs> whole like sermon series on
1: Genesis of yes. like, you think you've got a messed up family? Read Genesis. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And so here's this woman mm. who, in order to have uh, this promise of children fulfilled, dressed up as a cult prostitute, uh, ensnared her father-in-law, had sex with him, and got pregnant by him. Yes. And that's in the lineage of Jesus. mm Right And and, uh, Matthew, make sure that she's there. Hmm. You could have done the work yourself and Hmm. seen the names of the people in the lineage and go, oh, that means that Tamar must be. No, no, no. He makes sure explicitly that Tamar is listed.
0: And he's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience in that gospel as well.
1: Exactly. And then verse Hmm. 5, you have Boaz's mother listed. Rahab. Rahab.
0: Who was a prostitute?
1: Not just a prostitute, but a pagan, a Canaanite prostitute. Mm. She wasn't a Jewish prostitute. Mm. And she, through the work of the Holy Spirit, was able to see the truth of what was coming when the spies came in to Jericho, and she sheltered them, and their promise was that she would have a place inside of Judah. Now, that is a redemption story in and of itself that is fantastic. It could have stopped there, yeah. and we would have uh, nothing but praise to say to our Lord and God, look, here is someone who willingly engaged in this endeavor, which was sexually immoral as a pagan, mm. right? And, and Jesus, uh, God didn't stick up his nose at her and say, "Whoa." right instead he says okay she's one of mine but not only does he redeem her not only does he give her a place inside the covenant community she's a part of the lineage of Jesus hmm. she's really given a privileged position
0: and king david and for king that david
1: that's exactly right
0: the ideal israelite king and then the true king of god's people jesus right right
1: mm. so she is really lifted up in in high regard and so and and even david like When he's called out in his sin, he doesn't make excuses. It it breaks his heart, Mm -hmm. and he's repentant before the Lord. Absolutely. There are genuine consequences. It will be the thing that will ultimately tear the kingdom apart, Hmm. right? But he's not cast out. Mm. It's not like it was with Saul, who was always making excuses, Mm. always saying, well, it wasn't very clear, and I didn't really know, and I tried to do this. Instead, David... I am the man. Mm. You're right. And those words are haunting. It is. And and Mm. as long as you're willing to say, You're right, Lord. I'm the man. Yeah. I'm the man who has allowed my sexual appetite to own me. Mm. I'm the one who's used pictures of women or men in ways that are unrighteous. Mm. And I have at those times allowed my own appetite to drive me to believe the false narrative that you will never give me what I need to flourish. Mm. I need to go out and get it for myself. If you're willing to own those things and say, Lord, please forgive me. Mm. Help me. Mm. Help me to put one foot in front of the other and thank you for being able to wash even me clean of Mm. the sins I've committed, then there is nothing for you to worry about. Mm. Right? There is hope. There, There may be genuine fruit There may be an unwanted pregnancy, there may be disease, there may be any number of things that Mm. come from your unwillingness to actually shepherd your sexuality well. Mm. But when it comes to your ultimate redemption, Mm. as long as you're willing to repent and hold on to Jesus, Mm. there's a place for you.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no place where each of these people that you've mentioned who, was, who had a sexually heinous past or instance in their lives did not circumvent the mercy of God. Right. And they were, th- their their only hope in that moment was to throw themselves on the mercy of God. That's right. Whom they had offended. Right, right. And he was glad to save and redeem them. That's right, and so you think about the words of our Savior in this in this instance, and the weight that He puts on this mm-hmm. of what could make you change eternal bliss for a couple of hours of lifetime uh, aggregate of lifetime joy, as Gabe put it, and and Jesus says, yet that does not outdo my love for you, right, right, and
1: that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. That's right.
0: Oh well, Josh, this has been heavy. Uh, it's it's been a difficult. Uh, Challenge to think about how Scripture speaks to this, and you know, if you're listening to this and you even thought about this, exposes how I have seen a consumerist, individualistic view of sexuality in my own life. I would encourage you to go back to our our last episode, one right. of our previous episodes, episodes three, episode three, so that you might hear again this good news that Christ is for you, even in this moment.
1: That's right, and that He did create this for. Enjoyment, Yes. And that there are really good things for our sexuality. It gets so quickly morphed into an idol. A good thing becomes a God thing. Yes. But there really are good things about our sex and sexuality, places and ways for it to be celebrated, and you can trust him that he will shepherd you well.
0: Yes. And if you're in this place where you are confused about this battle that you face and you need someone to talk to, we would encourage you to reach out to either Josh or I. That's Jay Squires at First Press Columbia or Jay Adair at First Press Columbia or one of our pastors. They would love to sit and talk with you and encourage you and comfort you with right. the mercy of God in this season, especially right. especially if you are beginning to feel the prick of His mercy on your conscience. Right, right. So, But until next time, we would encourage you guys, we will go back. We will continue on from here. I'm not really sure the direction we're going to go with our next episode. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we will continue uh, on next time, and we hope that you guys can join us then.